Welcome to the Beeson Podcast coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University. Now your hosts, Doug Sweeney and Kristen Padilla. Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I am Doug Sweeney here with my co-host, Kristen Padilla. And this week, we conclude our three-part series featuring Beeson faculty colleagues whose friendships with each other have enriched their teaching, their writing, and their service to the church. We're asking these pairs to tell us about their friendships and the ways in which their friendships enrich their lives personally and professionally. The faculty pair we're with today have been friends for more than 20 years. We are looking forward to gaining an inside look into their friendship and their collegiality with each other. And so, Kristen, who are these faculty friends? Welcome, everyone, to the Beeson Podcast. Our guests today really don't need much of an introduction. We have with us Dr. Timothy George, who was a longtime host of the Beeson Podcast, founding dean of Beeson Divinity School, and now serves as Distinguished Professor of Divinity here. And then we have Robert Smith, Jr. Dr. Smith, uh, you've heard him on the podcast many times as well. He is the Charles T. Carter Baptist Chair Divinity at Beeson, where he teaches Christian preaching. Welcome, Dr. George and Dr. Smith, to the Beeson podcast. We're so glad you're here. Thank you, Kristen. We want to begin just with a simple question. How did you two become friends? Take us all the way back to the beginning of your friendship and give us an inside look, if you will. Maybe I'll start, and I'll say that um, I had heard of Robert Smith, Jr., because we were both at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville during some of the same years, but he was never in my classes, though he could have been. I probably saw him in the hall and maybe even heard him speak in chapel one time. I can't quite remember, but I became acquainted with him and got to know him at a deep friendship level and a colleague level through one of our great mutual friends, Dr. James Earl Massey. We needed to find somebody to teach preaching at Beeson. And so I called Dr. Massey, as I was wont to do on many occasions, and said, is there anybody you could recommend to come and teach preaching at Beeson? And as Dr. Massey was wont to do, when you ask him a question, he didn't answer immediately. There was a long pause, as though his mind was thinking and the wheels were turning. And then after a long pause, he said, Dr. George, he called me Dr. George. He said, Dr. George, there is one person. If you could win him, he would do a fabulous job. His name is Robert Smith, Jr. So that was my introduction to Robert Smith. It was the recommendation of James Earl Massey that I call Dr. Smith and talk with him about our opening and preaching, which I did. Thanks be to God and to the glory of God. I'm kind of like Job, who said in Job 42 and 5, I've heard of you, speaking of God, of course, with my ears, but my eyes have seen you, panima padi, face to face. I'd heard of Dr. George. We were at Southern Seminary, you're right, but providentially the time was not right. So I never really uh, was in his presence, aside from probably walking down the halls. He was born in Chattanooga, Tennessee. 
I was born in Knoxville, Tennessee, 100 miles apart, but it wasn't time. Uh, I'd read his Theology of the Reformers and included um, many of his theological citations in my dissertation on Helmetilica. And though I had read about the author, uh, I had not really met the author. It was not time. But I got that call one January, 1997. It's from uh, his administrative assistant. I think that was her name was Beth. I think that's right. And she called me, put Dr. George on the phone, and he told me why he had called. I was not arrogant. I was just satisfied where I was. God was blessing me at Southern Seminary. I loved it. I love it now. And I politely told him, no, I was not uh, interested. Well, like the importunate widow, he had Beth to call me again. The same answer. Uh, she called me again. I talked to my wife, Wanda. She said, the Lord may be up to something. I said to her, I don't want the Lord to be up to anything. But he kept calling. And then finally, I sent uh, a resume uh, to him. He would keep it uh, confidentially, and that was wonderful. And we, we came down. I, I came down first, and my wife would come later. Uh, it's just interesting to me that the thing that interested me probably as much as anything was that he said, this would be the place where we could participate in a stewardship of geography. Uh, Birmingham was the place. Two Tennesseans, a white man and a black man, showing crystal conciliation, conciliation in Christ. That's the only way it would work. It's in Christ. The church leads the way. And I'll never forget that day, that last trip I took before I would um, call him back uh, the following Tuesday. He took me to eat at um, the, um, uh, the club, the club, the club, and uh, sent me a picture later on and showed me uh, the sign. The sign said, Robert Smith Drive. Sent that to me as a sign that the Lord was calling me to this place. It's true, he was. And we have had a friendship that I value with my life. I love this man as much as I love my own soul. It's something God has done. Mm. And we have not orchestrated it, but God has divinely choreographed it. Yeah. Well, to those of us who are part of the Beeson family, your friendship is legendary already. But just in case we have some listeners uh, who don't know a lot about the two of you yet and what you've worked on together over the years, would you tell us what kinds of projects have you done together over the years and what difference have they made in your lives? Maybe, Dr. Smith, we can start with you this time. Well, it's, um, I am the precursor. I must decrease. He must increase. So I'll start first. Uh, he invited me to participate in a project, uh, a mighty long journey, which um, incorporated racial reconciliation sermons of black preachers and white preachers, because that's his heart. It's my heart. It's one of the six strategic initiatives of Beeson Divinity School, racial reconciliation. It just happens to be God's heart, mm -hmm. so that in the eschaton, people from every nation, tribe, kindred, and tongue will be there. So therefore, the church is a Kodak moment of the future state of eternity. Uh, we worked on that. We taught a class together, Dean Sweeney. The class was on Reformation theology and the African-American tradition. 
in which uh, the reformers were presented. Uh, and I, t- I talked about, well, of course, obviously he talked about the five solas. I talked about the three motifs of the African-American experience, namely survival, elevation, and liberation. We saw a great deal of integration there, uh, particularly when it came to uh, sola scriptura, sola fide, that kind of thing. And so those are the kind of projects that we worked on. Uh, There are other projects that we worked on that are oral projects. We have poured into each other's soul at night, different times of the day. There's never a time I cannot call him. And I promised him that our professional relationship and our personal relationship would never collide. He would always be Dr. Timothy George, my dean. And then I would always be his faculty member. And then once that was taken care of, then our personal relationship would be secondary. That was made uh, nearly, well, 20 years ago. It's still true now in terms of that we're colleagues now. It's kind of strange that he's has his office next to mine. Uh, I'm honored by that. My office is, has never been the same since you moved there, Dean George. <laughs> mm. Well, Dr. George, anything you want to add to this question about just what kinds of things have the two of you done together over the years and what difference have they made to you? Dr. Smith mentioned the book that we edited together, uh, A Mighty Long Journey. The The origin of that book was a trip we took. We would often, I hope we will still be able to do this in the future going forward, we would make little pilgrimages together. Often these were tied uh, to a visit to my hometown of Chattanooga, Tennessee. It's not too far from Birmingham. And we would travel up together to pray together, to have a little spiritual retreat together, often to meet with Beeson alumni and things like that. Well, on one particular trip, I think it was the summertime, Dr. Smith. It was. We got up early in the morning, like maybe 5 a.m. or something like that, and took a walk, a walk from our hotel out across the Tennessee River, not walking on water, but walking across a bridge over water, a bridge over troubled water, because (laughs) the Tennessee River connects Knoxville, where uh, Robert Smith was born, and Chattanooga, where I was born, six months apart. I was born in January. He was born in May. And we walked across that Walden Street Bridge, which today is a pedestrian bridge, a very popular place for tourists and others to go. It was an important event that took place there uh, in the early, early 20th century, long before either of us were born, where an African-American man was lynched from that bridge. His name was Ed Johnson. Today, if you visit that bridge, this has been added since our first walk across it, there's a little memorial plaque recalling that event, that horrible, tragic event, one of many, many thousands that took place across uh, our country and especially in the Southland in those days. And it was walking across that bridge. I don't recall, Dr. Smith, that we said very much that morning. We just walked together. We maybe prayed together a little bit. But in our spirits, there was a sense that God was doing something very spectacular and wonderful in bringing us together to that place, to that bridge on that morning in that situation. And the book, A Mighty Long Journey, kind of grew out of that experience. Just one more thing. We would go to Chattanooga in those days. We would often visit a particular person, someone who was very, very special to me. He was my boyhood pastor. Now, he was way up in his 90s at that time, though he was still preaching the gospel strong. But uh, his name was Sam D. Sharp. 
Sam D. Sharp had never been to anybody's seminary. He was not, he was very uh, intelligent, but not book learned in some ways, but he loved the Lord and he loved Robert Smith. And we would go by every time we would have a chance to visit with Brother Sam. Dr. Smith had a mentor in his life, whom I never met in this world, I hope to meet him in heaven one day, named E.L. Alexander. And in my mind, Sam D. Sharp and E.L. Alexander are sitting together in the glory land with their feet dangling in the river of life, thinking about these two little preacher fellows that they encouraged along the way, Robert Smith and Timothy George. Well, anyone who has spent time with both of you, and I'm speaking from personal experience, having been your student and also having worked with both of you for a number of years, but anyone who knows both of you, I think can see the imprint that each of you have had on one another. So I'm interested to know from your perspective, how has the other person's scholarship, preaching, perhaps ministry strengthened your own And in what ways do you bring what you're learning from one another into the classroom or into the pulpit? Let me uh, start off uh, by saying that I am indebted to Dr. Timothy George um, because of his consummate uh, mind. Donald Bailey, Scottish preacher, as I recall, said, Theology exists in order to make preaching as hard as it needs to be. That's Dean George. He has provided the theological fiber and muscle and uh, demand and expectation that's been rigorous enough for me to have to um, work with and to be worked upon, actually, so that I could preach theologically with a sense of Uh, knowing that 20 centuries of church history uh, was standing behind my proclamations. Very, very important for me to be able to synthesize and bring together 20 centuries of church history so that tradition, yes, was important. Intellect, yes, was important. I'm using the Wesleyan quadrilateral, the so-called experience was was important, yes, but scripture, that was the main thing. And so... Him, uh, but Dean George being a historical theologian, uh, it stretched me because in the final analysis, what was, what was more important than anything else was, what is it true about God? Is it true about scripture? Uh, and so that was huge. Another thing that helped me in terms of our marrying theology and preaching together uh, was um, a comment that uh, Dr. George knows of uh, this individual, Dr. James Cox, who was uh, father in the ministry for me at Southern Seminary and was the supervisor for my uh, dissertation. Dr. Cox says that, um, that there are uh, various um, iron rods that hold the concrete of uh, preaching together, the iron rods, the theological rods that you may not see like a highway, steel in the cement, the concrete over which the cars may pass over. You know, you you appreciate the uh, foundation that is the visible concrete, but understand that if if there were no steel rods embedded in it, it wouldn't last. Dean George has given me 
steel theological rods that has helped to hold the concrete of my proclamation together, for which I'm very, very grateful. So um, ultimately, uh, without Dean George in so many ways, there is no Robert Smith. And I, uh, I owe that to him. God has used him to, um, to strengthen whatever preaching that I try to do. Dr. George, how would you answer that question? Dr. Smith has referred to his doctoral dissertation, which he did under James Cox, on the Christological presuppositions of Helmut Tilica's preaching. And that dissertation is a model of kind of scholarly engagement that brings together passion on the one hand and eloquence on the other, just like his preaching does. And I would say if there's one thing that I've been influenced by Robert Smith in particular, it is the way in which he treats people and takes people in a deeply personal way. You know, the Christian faith is personal because we are Trinitarian, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God who have ever known himself in these three persons. And so we take persons seriously. Robert Smith does this with his students. Sometimes I'd be at Beeson working late at night, and uh, all everybody's gone. I don't think anybody's there. I get ready to leave, and I look up to the third floor, and there is the light in Robert Smith's office. He's meeting with some student. He's going over their assignment. He's talking with them, sometimes praying with them. Sometimes I see him put his arms around a, a student's shoulder and pray with them. He has that kind of mentoring role. And that's influenced me, too, that uh, preaching and theology is not simply about ideas, not even beautiful, eloquent words strung together in a nice way, but it is the communication of the gospel soul to soul, heart to heart, face to face, person to person, and as well as anybody I have ever known in my uh, life in ministry, Robert Smith models that. And that's why I think we would all agree, you wouldn't get a lot of debate that Robert Smith is really the pastor of Beeson Divinity School. And he's modeled that with the students, but also with colleagues. So I, I've come, I have a long way to go, but I've come some way by being close to him and catching some of that spirit myself. Kristen, I asked the two of you about the importance of your friendship for your professional lives, your preaching, your teaching, your scholarship. I wonder if I could ask you, about the significance of your friendship for your personal lives and your walk with the Lord. Uh, Dean George, I don't need to tell you as the founder of this school that community has always been uh, at the core uh, of our mission here at Beeson. Uh, we do life together in community, uh, forming friendships with each other for the sake of helping each other get to know the Lord better. Uh, for the sake of helping one another grow in Christian discipleship. Any word that you have for our listeners about the importance of your friendship with Dr. Robert Smith in particular uh, for your own development as a follower of Jesus? You know, sometimes we can give the impression that the Christian life is a dour matter, a somber and serious matter. And, of course, there is an ultimate eternal seriousness about it, but it's also a joyous matter. 
And I think Robert Smith exudes joy. And I can think of the wonderful times we've had together, just like eating. There's a, there's a restaurant in Chattanooga <laughs> where I used to eat growing up called Bees, B-E-A-S. And Robert Smith and I have loved eating fried chicken at Bees on many occasions. And so there's the joy of the table. There's the banquet. Uh, but also, along with that, I think the felt what Paul calls in Philippians three ten the fellowship of suffering, yeah, true. the koinonia of suffering. We walked through we walked through some valleys together. It's true. He with me, I with him, and that's not only bonded us, I think, as friends, but also given us a perspective on the ministry and on theology itself. So both the joy, the feasting, but also the suffering and the walking through the valley. Mm. How about you, Dr. Smith? How has your friendship with Timothy George made you a more faithful disciple of Jesus? The very first uh, year that I was at Beeson, I became ill. And uh, I had to go to the hospital. Of course, Dean George was there. I stayed in his home for two weeks. Uh, Sister Denise George was my nurse. And he was my doctor. I mean, the kind of doctor that does you some good, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Not a theologian. I needed some physical help. Uh, but I stayed in their home for two weeks, and they waited on me, hand and foot. Of course, Wanda came down, and so with her being a nurse, I, had, I was in great company. But it just goes to show you that friendship. Uh, when someone invites you into their home to sleep in their bed, cook for you, and take care of you for two weeks until you're able to, uh, to leave. Uh, I've never forget, forgotten that. That left an indelible imprint on my, my heart. Uh, Dean George is right. We walked through some valleys, some physical valleys together, uh, he and I, and we've shared deeply uh, as relates to um, those physical crises. Um, the Walnut Street Bridge, the trips back and forth to Chattanooga. It was not so much just being in Chattanooga. It it was what took place in that car. As we drove and rode um, uh, to Chattanooga, what we talked about, things that we shared together, eating at B's and now coming to Nikki's uh, West and other places, we just have taken time across the years to just fellowship and minister to each other, pray for each other, uh, I'd call him, he called me, and it would just be a matter of just praying together, and that that would that would be it. But that's what it was. It was that was it, really it. So I've a, I just thank God for my Jonathan. I'm his David since I'm older uh, by uh, six months. Uh, he's trying to catch up with me now because I'm 71 and he's 70. So I, I stay ahead of him chronologically speaking. He stays ahead of me theologically speaking. <laughs> Well, we've been talking a lot about your own friendship. Um, I wonder if you could say a word about why it is important for Christians, whether they are faculty members, uh, professors, ministry practitioners, or uh, lay people, to develop these types of friendships. Um, and what word of exhortation would you give to our listeners about the value of friendship and being a good friend uh, for the Christian faith? You know, one of the great models, I think, for Beeson from the beginning and still today uh, is Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and there we, we see his uh, statue in, in Hodges Chapel whenever we enter. And he 
helped to form and led an underground com community called Finkenwalde. And it was in large measure in the crucible of that very dark time in the history of Germany that a series of friendships were formed with Bonhoeffer, his fellow students, some of his fellow ministers that helped him to survive the very difficult years that were to follow. And I, I think that's, that's the kind of thing we aim for. We don't always achieve it. We have to recognize that friendship is not a right. We don't have a right to have somebody as our friend. It's a gift. Yeah. It's a gift that comes to us from above. And we should thank the Lord for it, not take it for granted, but cultivate it and recognize that God uses these kinds of friendships to prepare us for deeper service for him and for his people and for his church. I'm always, um, I'm, I'm humbled. I can't wrap my arms around the statement in Hebrews 2 and 11, that Christ is not ashamed to call us brothers. I, I can't, I can't, you know, and Abraham was a friend of God. That Christ is not ashamed to call me his brother. That's, that's inexplicable. That's inscrutable. It, it's such knowledge, as the psalmist would say, is too wonderful for me. It's too precious. Well, if he's not ashamed to call me his brother, how can I be ashamed to call Doug Sweeney, Timothy George, Christian Badia, Rob Willis, my brother, and my sister? It's something that is not intrinsically automatic. We're not born with that. But when we are born again and our nature mm, becomes the nature, if you will, of Christ, through conversion, we become new creations. There is a sense of interpenetration between us so that we begin to feel each other's pain. Not sympathy, but empathy. I can't explain it. It's, it's just there. It's, we're drawn to each other. I've always appreciated Dean George. I think part of the retreat was for that very purpose, to get away and for us to get to know each other outside of the classroom and to become friends. Dean Sweeney. I appreciate my Dean Sweeney because prayer is so huge for him and that we began with a season of prayer where we understand that we have this treasure, but it's in earthen vessels. So crack pots and we all have our foibles and we all have our lacerations and cuts. And um, I, I think by sharing uh, in this way, we're drawn to each other and, and friendship is established. Beeson is a school in which not only the faculty, but the student body get to know each other. And uh, that has always been uh, for me uh, a sanctuary where I could come with people who love the Lord and love me and uh, we develop a bond that's unbreakable because it's in Christ. So yes, uh, it is something that I believe the Lord brings. I know he brings it about with people who are very different, different denominationally, different in race, different in orientation and tradition. But what brings us together is that we are in Christ. And mm -hmm. when we're in Christ, then we cannot be out with each other. 
These are wise words, dear listeners. If uh, Timothy George and Robert Smith need friendship to thrive in Christian life and ministry, so do we. Let us encourage you to develop the friendships the Lord has given you already and to go out of your way, especially in this COVID-19 season, to develop friendships uh, with those the Lord wants to use in your life to help you grow up into Christ and to help you serve him better. You have been listening to Dr. Timothy George, the founding dean of Beeson Divinity School and currently distinguished professor of divinity here at Beeson, and his dear friend, Dr. Robert Smith, Jr., the Charles T. Carter Baptist Chair of Divinity here at Beeson and professor of preaching. We are most grateful to both of them uh, for giving us their time today and for developing the kind of friendship that's been a blessing to so many of us in the Beeson community. We're so grateful to those of you who are listening to this podcast and for your friendship with us here at Beeson. We cherish it. We love you. We're praying for you. Goodbye for now. listening to the Beeson Podcast. Our theme music is written and performed by Advent Birmingham of the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Our engineer is Rob Willis. Our announcer is Mike Pascarello. Our co-hosts are Doug Sweeney and myself, Kristen Padilla. Please subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at beesondivinity.com slash podcast or on iTunes.